0: You are now listening to The Griot's Black Podcast Network, Black Culture Amplified. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Dear Culture, the podcast for buying about the culture here on The Grio Black Podcast Network. I'm your host, Panama Jackson. And today we are joined by three individuals responsible for one of the blackest movies I've ever seen in my entire life. I'm going to talk more about this film, which is They Clone Tyrone, and we're going to talk to them about it. But let me just say, in watching this movie, uh, For those who have not seen it, it is a movie genuinely built for the conspiracy theorist in your heart and soul, or the one uncle you have that believes that we are all being watched by everybody, or that you are not really who you think you are, because they have cloned you. I don't know what that was, but that wasn't me.
1: Somebody is conducting experiments on us.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, I am joined today by Jewel Taylor, who is a co-writer and director of the film, Stephen Dr. Love, and Mark Wright, who are also producers on the film uh how y'all doing and thank you for being here thank you for having us i gotta start here um are you all conspiracy theorists like (laughs) like what is this and and i mean that i mean that genuinely as a black man in america right because when i watch this film like this film is it's like conspiracy theorist porn like it's like you got people it's a whole underground like system of white people or or ambiguously light-skinned tapioca flavored color people like myself apparently who are running experiments and putting um, <laughs> cocaine like powder and chicken to control the black people in black cities. And only a true conspiracy theorist can write something along those lines. So, Jewel, are you a conspiracy theorist?
2: Uh, I mean, it depends on the conspiracy. You know? <laughs> it on the conspiracy. I'm, a, I'm a college football conspiracy theorist. That's what I'm
0: claiming. <laughs> you gotta explain that one. What's a college football conspiracy theorist?
2: You know, the swindle in the swamp, like, you know, it's just it's just things that happen, you know, in the history of Florida football that I don't believe is on the up and up. So I believe it's a lot of uh skullduggery and shenanigans going on. Not skullduggery in the NIL right now.
0: Not not the name of That's a, a lot uh, of No Limit it. album that we done throwing out here too. Okay. Yeah, you know, I know like what
2: I'm you. saying. I'm just saying I feel like the things going on in the NIL game that ain't all the way up the far. It's a okay. false cheating out there, but that's a different thing. <laughs> all right, Stephen, what about you?
1: My Morehouse brother, you a conspiracy theorist? I mean, you're a black man in America, you got to have a, 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 at least an ounce of conspiracy. You, you know what I mean? Like, how can all of this be possible that we, you know, are what we are in time? So, uh I, I think I got a healthy dose of it. Yeah, what about you, Mark?
3: I'm a recovering conspiracy theorist. I, uh, part of the reason why when Jewel was first and Tony were telling me about the things they wanted to, to touch on that movie. I the first thing I went to with Joel was uh what was the movie, the the documentary uh
2: about nine eleven? Oh which one? I mean you have yeah, Alex a, you a had a Jones, the, a... the the OG, the triple OG conspiracy theorist, Alex Jones. Well, that's
0: kinda of where I want to go with talking about this film because look. I'm a, I'm a black man in America, so conspiracy theory is my breakfast, typically. But I am also probably recovering. I've gotten a little older. You know, some of the stuff seems a little too far-fetched. But the truth of the matter is, you never really know. And every now and again, you get some kind of vindication or something that demonstrates to you that maybe you're not tripping, or maybe that person in your family you think is nuts actually ain't crazy. Like, maybe maybe they were right about that one thing. And, you know, we're just, we're coming out of, well, we're kind of coming out of COVID, which was like, ground zero for conspiracy theories all over the place and everything and you know so while i'm watching this film which is you know it's a satire it's drama it's um it's a comedy you know it's got all these different elements it's very it's a very ambitious film you know the one thing that i took out of this when i'm when i'm watching it is like all right like i want to say this is crazy but i mean If we were to find out that beneath ground there were people being certain people in the community being cloned to keep the community down or to keep it in check, so to speak, would I be surprised? I don't know. So tell me about writing this and how y'all all all came together to bring this film together. And we'll start with you, Jewel.
2: We knew we wanted to have you know these unlikely detectives, you know these ad hoc detectives, like on a Scooby Doo kind of mystery, and. Once we kind of got into the writing of it, you know, I think once we kind of knew, you know, that question of blighting versus responsibility, that idea that, like, Bob character is someone who's, you know, having a, a literal identity crisis and is on a, you know, on a quest of kind of self-fulfillment in a lot of ways and the mystery that he's looking to find is like, who am I? Then, once you start, like, kind of reverse-engineering from there, that's where, like, we started having fun on, like, the conspiracy and, You know, started really kind of leaning into the world building and, and, yeah, not, you know, not even just the conspiracies, but just like kind of like the real world stuff that's, you know, not conspiratorial at all. You know, I think that all was kind of a byproduct of like, you know, where, where would this guy go at the end? You know, he was in this on the yellow brick road, like who is the wizard, you know what I'm saying? And once you kind of settled on who the wizard is and it's like, okay, why is, I'm trying not to spoil, spoil things, you know. What I'm saying, but like, why is uh? Oh, you can spoil this movie. Well, when he gets to OG and and, and you're like kind of unpacking like two team sides of like your psyche, it's like, what you know, what would lead someone down that road, you know, to that point, and what kind of things would he be involved in? I was
1: just thinking about the irony that Joel and Tony wrote that script at least a full year before the Popeyes fiasco. <laughs> you gotta know I mean? be like, like. People, people think. I think some people think that that they might have saw the Popeyes thing, got inspired. Like they literally wrote that script, out like a year before, or had the idea a year before the Popeyes thing happened. Way before, you know, obviously way before COVID. So they need the medical stuff in there had nothing to do with that. You know, it just truly was from their own inspiration in that way. Yeah, you know, I find it interesting because
0: you know, Pete. Look, we're we're in a we're in an era where you compare and contrast things. So when I'm watching this. You know, like I remember an undercover brother. They used the chicken to 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 try to take down a presidential candidate or turn turn somebody into a presidential candidate that was effectively going to ruin the ruin the country uh, at the control of the man or whatever. Um, sorry to bother Black dynamite. you. Yeah, right, right. Like there's, you know, there's these, all these films that have played around with some of these ideas in different ways. The way this film brought all these pieces together was was kind of brilliant. Like I really, you know. The, I, it's funny but it also does make you think talk to me a bit about working with Jamie Foxx John Boy, and Tiana Ferris because they're amazing in this film like their performances, like Jamie Foxx i don't know if like if you were like if y'all if you were like yo amp yourself up to like 150% of whatever you think you <laughs> whatever you think you could be because the two Tiana Ferris and and Jamie Foxx specifically Who are Slick Charles and Yo-Yo? Like they are like amazing, like in this film together. I'm an
2: entrepreneur. I work in the spirit of the pimp game. You know, your girl gotta know what's going on in these streets.
0: And and the the three of them is a trio, and it's funny you mentioned Jewel like the kind of the Scooby-Doo like the mystery thing of it. Because what you said that I kind of thought about like yeah, like they are trying to solve a mystery at the end, and they do find like you know unmasking kind of who's at fault here kind of thing it's 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 There's a bit of that whatever what was it like working with those three on set who their chemistry was so good like was it as fun was it as fun as it looked like watching this film at home
2: oh, oh no i mean, i mean it was shooting it was super fun i mean we shot it like during covid we was in a bubble it was like the conditions were miserable you know just in terms of like the, we shot it in the winter like you know and, that's the winter oh well wow. i'm just saying we started december uh we started in december and then oh, and we got shut down a like, cold you know so we was right both, like, in a, crew was sequestered um we shot in 2020 right okay so we started shooting december 2020. so like i say all that to say that like it could have been a miserable set but it was the conditions were miserable because you got like all this PPE on, you know, mask, and like, you can't breathe, you can't see, cold, but, because, you know, the, the crew and the cast was so, you know, like lively, and like, it was like, definitely like a, movie summer camp by because it was just, you know, uh, the crew was, like, sequestered together. I think, had John, Jamie, and not been, So like down to earth, I would think none of that would have been possible. you know what I'm saying? Because like, at the end of the day, Jamie's the biggest, brightest star in the room, naturally, you know what I'm saying? Like anybody would tell you that. So like, if Jamie's disposition isn't, you know what I'm saying, always so like buoyant, you know what I'm saying? Like everybody gonna feed off that. And so it's like, just even like day one, him showing up, like he has that, like a book bag with speakers there playing music, I was like, okay, like, this might, because, you know, you really don't know what to expect, you know what I'm saying? Because it's, it's 25. So the fact that they were so open to be, you know, just in the middle of like very uncomfortable shooting conditions, you know what I'm saying? Just the fact they would, they never complained about it. They was always cracking jokes and just, it was super fun. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it, it really was it felt like you were in film school making the scale was bigger, but it was like, felt like you just make us making stuff with your friends, you know?
0: Yes. What is it like having that film come out? Like when everybody's worried about Jamie Foxx and concerned about his, whether he's okay. And the movie comes out and you know, like it was the timing. Like, I'm not one of them people that's like, there's some like, you know, you saw the publicity stuff. I wasn't one of those people. I was genuinely worried, genuinely worried about Jamie Foxx, right? Like I'm over here reading everything, trying to concern, but you know, what is it like dropping a film while that is going while we're still kind of partially in that a little bit you know what's it like dropping a film that stars him in such a such a fun role while that is going on
2: yeah it's it's a little strange you know what I'm saying because like it's it's definitely tempered by you know especially like when it first happened like everybody's like you're not even thinking about the movie right like you so worried, I guess, you know what I'm saying? Like, cause I, right. like, I didn't know nothing more than anybody else, you know what I'm saying? So it's hard, you know, it's hard to like, fully like lean into like the promotion when like something real is going on with Jamie, you know what I'm saying? So it was, it was strange, you know what I'm saying? It was, it was good to see that he was recovering, you know what I'm saying? Well, somebody was talking about I'm clone. Well, check this out. Just kidding. Uh, not clone, man, but I, I'm here on earth because of some great people. I'm here on earth because of God, man. So I love all y'all. Uh, I just wanted to jump on here and let you know that uh, I'm on my way back in love. Just just seeing that, you know, he's been getting back out there and, like, kind of being back in the world was definitely, like, nice. call for that, I guess, you know.
1: Yeah, it just makes you more grateful, you know what I mean, for, for the legend that he is, really, um, because we got to see it firsthand, obviously, every day. Uh, to Joel's point, he's a legend, but he was so so chill and down to earth and was just ready to work, but and that permeated the crew, and then and so you realize that your legend is also, like, a good dude, and then that happens to him, you know, so it, it was definitely weird, but I think, you know, but of course, there were plenty of people who thought that was part of the conspiracy, too, and all of this stuff, and and uh which was which was crazy but uh but you know just grateful that he was able to balance back
3: yeah i also say like on on top of just you know any health issues um releasing the film during two strikes happening in our industry uh was a challenge that it was up against and i would say that despite that um seeing uh audiences really receive the film in such a beautiful way and you know, recognize and celebrate those performances that our, our incredible cast uh, put forth across the board is, is is really encouraging and really, you know, I think it took me back at least to those days when we were shooting on set um, in, in challenging conditions, you know, kind of making the most of it, uh, doing everything we could to keep our spirits high. And it was freezing outside, we shooting a scene with 200 extras <laughs> and doing a range of different attire. Um, just like Joel ourselves like summer camp. And like to see all of those uh, performances and moments celebrated by audiences is really exciting.
0: And uh, you know, the, the best gift that you could get in putting a movie out. All right, we're gonna take a quick break. We're gonna come back. I wanna, I wanna zero back in on what you just started talking about, which is the reception of the film. And I do wanna kind of make a little beeline towards, uh, towards the strikes and everything too. So uh, stay tuned right here on Dear Culture where we're talking with Joel Taylor, Steven, Dr. Love, and Mark Wright about They Clone Tyrone. I'm Torre. Join us for crazy true stories about stars who I really hung out with, like Snoop, Jay Z, Prince, Kanye, and the time I got kidnapped by Suge Knight. Don't miss my animated series, Star Stories with Torre, from the Griot Black Podcast Network. All right, we're back here in Deer Culture talking about the film They Clone Tyrone with co-writer and director Jewel Taylor and producers Mark Wright and Steven Dr. Love. And this is a film that everybody I know was like, Panama, you need to see this movie. This is a movie made specifically for people like you. It's super black. It's got the shenanigans. It's pimps and hoes. It's all the things that you love <laughs> in life. As So, which sounds worse when I just said that out loud than I actually meant it. So, I, but I'm gonna run with it. I said it up, if I said it, I meant to bite my tongue for no one. So, the reception. Everybody was telling me I needed to check this film out. I watched it, I was like, I get it, this was awesome. What has been the reception like for you all who are in the thick of it, who are paying attention to this? Like, what are the streets saying? It just has been overwhelmingly positive. I think the
3: biggest compliment comes from black audiences has been, it's like, this is something they've been waiting for, but looking for, it's the kind of thing they want more of. And to me, it just demonstrates that uh and Tonya really tapped into their sensibilities and their creativity. They made a movie that they wanted to see and thankfully a lot of people wanted to see it too Um because it it, it just really has felt like it's resonated with people and, and not because of who uh pimps the and drug dealers etc. Not because of what they do but because of who they are because the humanity that the, the actors brought to the characters uh, really made them lovable and really reflected attributes qualities, quirks um,
1: that we see in everyday life. Yeah. I mean, see, your point is streets love it from what I hear. You know, which is which is which is great. And honestly, one of the more important things for us, you know, is that the culture really wrapped our arms around it. Uh, but it's it's, a, it's it's a blessing though that the critics at the same time really also are embracing it. You know, because that's something that Joel and Tony and the whole team, all of us, really you know worked hard to make sure that the movie was of craft. You know, too. So. Uh, yeah, man, so far so good.
0: I can say that watching this film, like, I genuinely enjoyed the experience of watching it, right? Like I kinda, you know, at some point I'm like, I see where this is going once we got to the to the clones and stuff. I was like, okay, I see where we're going with this. But there's so many little Easter eggs and things like that, like the little things, like even the license place to say a swell place, right? Like like as the as the state or whatever. Like little stuff like that are things that I enjoy when I'm watching a movie. And this this movie had so much of that kind of stuff which brings me to a question i have like how much improv were they doing like when they're in the elevator going down and they start making up a version of i'm going down was that in the script or did they just did jamie Foxx just start singing the song and then tiana ferris just hopped in and was like you know what i'm gonna keep this going like
2: hope miracles don't drown and get back up. Try me. Ooh, he
0: there was so much of that little stuff. Were they just like, we going for it? Like, how did that happen?
2: Nah, that's in the script. I mean, like, it's like two eighths of a page in the script, right? So it's it's the Tiana's Tiana's impro- improvising, right? Jamie's basically just making a few words in the script. Like, it, it has the lyrics. Okay. And that's it, you know? And Jamie turned it into like beatboxing and like Gianna jumps in, like that was improvised, right? Like, you know, but in terms of just the the juxtaposition of John, you know, Fontaine, the straight face and like the two of them singing, like that's, that's in the script, but like what usually happens is like it's in the script and it's like kind of nondescript and then like, they get their hands on it and then it becomes like 10 times better than it was in the script or they'll fill in lines in between. So there's there's a a whole lot of improv in the movie.
0: So I gotta ask, I gotta ask big questions too. You know, we gotta ask big questions. So, you know, we're black people. So when we do black things that are, you know, become seen by lots of people and you're a part of the thing, the teams that bring these things together, we always have to ask questions about Hollywood and representation and you know, I do feel to a degree there are so many filmmakers that we're getting away from having to always address the representation in Hollywood type of question. But I do think it's an important one to talk about. Right. So, like, you know, a film like this and your ability to make it and be, a, you know, the creative teams that are part of these things. Like, what do you like? How do you feel like that impacts representation, the ability to make future films in, in the Hollywood space? Or is the landscape even changing in such a way where that's not as essential the old school way?
3: I feel like the industry goes through waves where there's an influx of black projects um, and then there's not, there's a birth. And I think that that's just going to continue to be a cycle until there's more ownership uh, in the distribution model. But just for the sake of talking about our movie, um, I believe that like, a movie like this opens up opportunity for for people. It, it, it shows, you know, a film that's made at a very high level that I believe um, is, is successful and and loved by audiences. It shows that you have a talented young director who's making his his debut, and you know, with with this big of a splash, and it shows the the possibility of of what he can continue to do. Um, it shows, you know, uh, Tiana and. John to you know young talented actors next to a legend like Jamie fox, um and what they're able to you know the range that they're able to display and you know digging deep into the comedy and the drama and I think it shows that there are different ways to tell our stories they don't always have to be very serious um you know straightforward pictures you don't have to always be you know slap hat slap you know slapstick humor comedies um that I think you know people outside of the culture might think that. That's the easiest way to get to audiences, but if you can have this very mixed genre, mixed tone, um, fun movie that does have something on its mind, but ultimately is also very interested in just having a good time.
1: Yeah, for sure. I agree with that, Mark. I, I mean, the, you know, they clone Tyrone as unapologetically very black and very sci fi and comedy and mystery and all the things, right? And it kind of a genre unto itself in that way. But it was important that even in talking about the business angle of getting the movie made, and the budget that's required to do it, et cetera, you know, frankly, don't give us a black budget. Give us a sci-fi budget, you know, because unfortunately, you know, black films have been relegated to a certain level. And this story just is, is happens to be centered on black people and is for us bias, but it is very firmly, hopefully going to be in the canon of sci-fi films, right? So, and in the canon of films that, is, you know, Joel's own brand of filmmaking the same way that Tarantino et cetera has his. So for us, there was a constant you know, push and pull of like yes, first time filmmaker but this is a film that is much bigger than a typical first time filmmaker, right? As far as the scope, as far as the, kind of the level of talent it's attracted, as far as the support that it's gotten from the industry, etc. So, so, you know, it warranted a certain level of resources and you know it, you could always use more but i think ultimately we had we had what we needed to achieve what we achieved
2: well just creatively you yeah, know I mean, you're, you're just, just trying to put one extra little piece of evidence to you know to the jury you know obviously there's you know black directors who have done the same thing from school to Jordan field Kate you know, Boots Riley, you know, there there are several directions who you know, come around in the last decade and clearly shown that they can make awesome stuff. Uh, yeah, I just hope that it gives us just a little bit more crack the door, just a little bit more open, you know, do our part and get with I mean James Samuel, if you just did it with than Fall. You know, what I mean it's like right. there are so many uh directors who are you know, it's hopefully pushing the door to the point where, like, in feel all all swing back clones, you know, this time, you know, like, it, it swung back holes after Spike and, and John Singleton, you're right. Like, it, you know, F. Gary Gray got to you know, push the door open. So you're hoping that, you know, you, you, you can't count them all on one hand going forward, you know, and, and, and any success at all, hopefully will you know, add to that story.
0: Yeah and I, I'd be remiss if I did not ask about this uh, what has been the impact of the strikes going on on your ability to promote the film or to like fully celebrate the release of it in this time I mean has that has that made it more difficult has it impacted it negatively has it stunted in any way shape or form the ability to fully get this film out there acknowledge and recognize the way that you would want it to
1: in celebrating it you no know, because because at the end of the day we fought really hard to get this film made, you know, and, and, and so it definitely uh, makes it difficult to bring other people's into the celebration, I would say. Right. So so many of our friends to your point are actors uh, or writers, et cetera, that would love to publicly support the movie, uh, but they can't, you know, uh, because of the strikes. And rightfully so. Like the strikes are definitely necessary. A change won't happen if, if we don't have people sitting on the front lines, you know, uh, saying "I'm I'm lift the pen" or or go shoot another scene until the deal is right. That's important, um, but it certainly makes it difficult in, in in trying to raise awareness about the movie. And thankfully, again, to the culture, the culture really embraced the film, and, and critics embraced the film, so that it still had legs in a real way. Uh, but I I definitely believe that it would have been. You know, even more astronomical if uh if we had everybody the whole community really able to support
3: yeah i mean sometimes publicity and advertising is like half the cost of any film um that they're using to help get it out there and when you don't have those same mechanisms um that you would prior uh to a a work a work stoppage and, and strike um you're i think any film is going to be impacted but like steven said like we just have been very fortunate that the culture has embraced embraced the movie we were able to kind of like, you know, do advanced press with John and Tiana um, beforehand. So we were able to, to bank some, some assets that, that helped us during the rollout. And Netflix was really uh, flexible and, and smart about how they, they planned that out and, and using, uh, you know, Joel as our director and, and from the producing team to really be out there on, on, the, on the front lines talking about the movie and making sure people understood what it was, understood when it was available to be, to be seen. Um, and keeping the conversation going after the, after it's released.
0: Again, everybody I know, we're still talking about this movie. I was just down in Birmingham for the National Association of Black Journalists con- uh, Conference. And we got to this huge argument and debate about some of the plot points of the movie at a table that included several celebrity, <laughs> black luminaries and celebrities, all who had seen the movie. And we loudly argued about this in a <laughs> restaurant. Um, it had all kind of people jumping into the conversation, which pointed out one important thing. Everybody had seen it like people who's right. had huge names and hey. people whose names I didn't know who just happened to hear us arguing like all of us from various places that all been managed been have all managed to see the film enough to have an argument and conversation about it so
2: that's all good really enough to have done something to argue right about it
0: <laughs> it's, a, it's an argument type film we're going to come back and we're going to do some black fashions and black Commendations. two of my favorite segments here on dear culture stay tuned and we're back what we like to do here at Dear Culture is black fashions, which is where we ask our guests to share a confession about their blackness, something people will be surprised to know about them because they're black. could be, I don't know, it could be anything. Food that you don't eat, songs you love, things you like to do. Uh, I don't know. Some people like to go spelunking and stuff like that. I don't even know exactly what that is, but which I think that was mentioned in the film, though. I think somebody actually said, I think jamie fox mentioned were speedlunking in them and, and they spelunking. clone tyrone now that i think about it
2: that was that was an but improvised line
0: they see look that's probably why there i thought go. of it just now because i watched it again last night boom all right so do you all have a black fashion
2: i like the trl era of uh pop music the trl like a carson daly like blink 182
0: in in the or third like, eye blind era
2: yeah, it's like I can't tell you no like pop songs from like the last 15 years, but I feel like I could tell you all of them from like that. Exactly. Like, you know, like, like, uh, hey, now you an all star. Like, you know, uh, that you and me, baby, ain't nothing but mammals. Like that whole era and like freak on the <laughs> leash with like corn and like blue Monday. Like that. I was about to cut. I'm that, with you. It jammed. Maybe like, you know, uh, last resort you know saying so that was my i don't know y'all rocking with that this is my last resort like are these even black fashions you know what i'm saying i don't know but i like, mean you know it could be TRL, for you whatever. this is personal you know you should you're sharing it's just Christina, sharing, right now. Aguilera, sharing is caring. jenny in a bottle jenny in a bottle Christina Aguilera. That, might, like that, yeah, that was a jam. No? That, was that was a jam. It that was a joke came when pink came out with the most girls on a man with the pink <laughs>
0: I mean, there's no black this- person alive that does not know Vanessa Carlton's a thousand miles. That piano riff starts and you know we all get we everybody knows what's about to happen. Hey, right. You
2: feel me? Like that TRL era, they had it going on.
0: They did. They did.
1: Okay. All right. What about you, Stephen? My my black fashion is that and it's probably because I'm from like the sticks in South Carolina, but one of my favorite guilty pleasure reality shows is not like Housewives or any events you want stuff, it's (laughs) Moonshiners. No, I I will binge that show for hours, man. I love it. Probably because I grew up with a lot of people that talk like that, so.
2: You will have a duck when you hear what family this is.
0: But uh, that's my black question. Okay, fair enough. I understand completely. I completely get it. All right, Mark, what about you? Uh, I prefer the Wizard of Oz to the Wiz. Now that's a black fashion.
2: That <laughs> Ooh.
0: Ooh. that is a <laughs> I,
1: and, and I mean that just, ex-
2: just to explain a little bit further.
3: I love the music of the Wiz and, and I, I cherish it, but as cinema, I think that The Wizard of Oz was a, was a better movie.
2: I'm gonna I'm be honest. It is. Like, I mean, like, that's that's.
0: <laughs> I was gonna take it a cr- step further. I'm gonna be honest, I don't
2: think The Wiz is that good. So I, I'm I'm one of them people. I don't really <laughs> think it's that good. So I mean you're talking about The Wizard of Oz, one of the greatest movies ever made, because like that ain't saying that much that it's you know big But
1: black
3: people do not care. They Of course they love, I mean yeah, I grew up watching the, the I'm, Wiz. I'm always in the
0: minority. I'm like, look, y'all, I don't care. This is my truth. Hey, it's hard watching The Wiz as an adult when you have adult opinions about things like guys. I don't think this is that good, y'all. I, this movie is not is not jamming the way that we think it's jamming, y'all. This ain't it. And then you, that's when you start arguing with people, and next thing you know, now it, you got to so, argue
2: it on your hands.
0: Now you got to argue it on your hands, exactly. You know, you know, and I this has happened several times in my life. Uh, okay, all right, so we got some black fashions out the way, but what we like to do here on the other side is since we usually drop some black fashions, we like to come up with black commendations. Which are recommendations for people uh, for buying about the culture? Something that you all are doing, reading, participating in, whatever. Something you're engaging with that you think other other Black folks uh, should be up on, for whatever reason. So let's start. Let's start with you, uh, Mark. Do you have a Black recommendation?
3: Yeah, uh, I have a Black recommendation. It's uh, actually something I I am working on that comes out uh, this November. On Netflix, called Rustin. It's a film about Bayer Rustin and the March on Washington um, that he, he helped spearhead the organization. of. Uh, he uh, is a very influential uh, civil rights leader and figure, but is left so uh, recognized and remembered in history uh, because uh, he was an openly gay black man in the 1960s. And this story uh, tells his story and his involvement in this, in this work and this movement, starring uh, Coleman Domingo and directed by uh, George Sewell.
0: Okay, looking forward to that. I will say, I agree. I don't think Bayard Rustin was well known. His profile has definitely been rising over the past the past few years, like in terms of people's recognition of him. Um, so I'm very much looking forward to this. I saw that's something you're working on. I'm looking forward to it because I love when our heroes, the ones the unsung heroes, get an opportunity to shine, like get a get a real get a real opportunity to be seen. Um, so kudos to you on that one, uh, Stephen. What you got? What's your black foundation
1: my my black commendation is uh for everybody if you're not already to tap into the earn your leisure podcast platform uh shout out to troy and rashad it's basically uh all about financial literacy and business and how to build etc uh whether it's on a personal basis or or a company basis equipped trying to create that but really 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 down to earth kind of approach to how to communicate those those lessons so earn your leisure podcast platform will be with my recommendation for sure. yeah that's a good one they're very popular very uh i saw their
0: live show at the roots picnic last year and uh highly entertaining but also very informative like it was a they 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 figured it out they figured they figured out the formula what works well for them in, in in getting that information to to the to the public so i genuinely appreciate what they're doing um all right jewel
2: so yeah i think i plugged blood the blood something as well um woody McLean, friend of mine he got a comic coming out called brotherhood you know um self you know from uh like publisher when of the comics and uh yeah and only give him a shout out <laughs> they give him a plug woody is called brotherhood you know uh, uh and you know from from the issue that I saw it was like super dope. So, yeah, I just want to get, you know, plug to like black writers, black creators, you know, making other things in in a different space.
0: Now, is this the same Woody McLean from like the Power Universe? Like that Woody McLean? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, the home, the Kane so and Bobby Brown got, he got and,
2: a, uh, you know. Yeah, so he got, a, he got a comic coming out. Yeah. Okay. So I was like, you know, let me give mean, a little plug, you know.
0: Sneakily becoming my favorite actor. I really enjoy him and everything that he does. Like, I love that dude.
1: But he's talented, man.
0: Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, we want to thank you all for being here on dear culture. Uh, appreciate the work you're doing. I love the film. I've watched it several times. Uh, I recommend it to other people because I think everybody needs to check it out at the very least. So they could be up on the conversation that I'm trying to have about this movie. Um <laughs> and because I think Jamie Foxx is just and especially t- Jamie and Tiana together, like their chemistry was insane in this movie. So I love I love everything that y'all did with it. You know I love the the writing, the directing. Uh, I didn't mention the music at all, but the music, my goodness, I was over here trying to Shazam yeah, the oh, score. Oh, oh, I'm gonna give another,
2: to... I'm gonna give another black foundation, oh, another black One bounce, the score is on Spotify. Desmond Murray, you know, sad, my boy. You know, grew up with him. Uh You know. Pierre Charles, um, you know, definitely the scores on Spotify now. So, I mean, like, I, I wouldn't want to plug the movie, but I will plug Dez, because, you know, that's my brother, and, you know, I think he deserves everything that comes that's coming his way. First movie he's ever composed, you know what I'm saying? First-time composer. Um, Pierre Charles, super dope composer, came in really in a, in a pinch. That's a different story, and, like, really, like, helped us get over the finish line, so... You know, they just released, you know, um, they just released the score, like last week, on uh, Spotify, so, you know, Apple Music, et cetera, et cetera. So if you, if you look for the score, the score is on there. So definitely one of 12 days, the show, for show plug here.
0: Well, thank you for sharing that. Cause I did not know that I was looking for the score to see if it was online when I first watched this some weeks ago. It, it didn't drop and... at first. Man, you just changed my yeah. life. They had, right,
2: they had to wait Same for the soundtrack. Life. So the soundtrack and the, the, the soundtrack had, they had to wait like three weeks, you know, just like deal comes and sound. They couldn't put it out gotcha. until like three, four weeks after the soundtrack came out. So once the four oh. weeks or whatever went by, it just it just dropped on all the platforms. Mm-hmm. So definitely got to plug Listen, that.
0: That brother has a future in film scoring. Oh, no. A yeah. future in oh, film sure. scoring. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, look. I appreciate y'all for being here mark steven jewel like thank you for being here thank you for making a movie um for the culture we appreciate that as somebody who genuinely engages with all things black and really like loves like when people put their heart and soul into something i could tell that was done here it's ambitious but it's enjoyable and like it's good work and thank you to everybody for listening to dear culture which is an original podcast of the real black podcast network It is produced by Sasha Armstrong, edited by Jeff Trudeau, and Regina Griffin is our director of podcasts. Uh, Again, my name is Panama Jackson. Thank you for listening. Have a Black one.
2: We started this podcast to talk about not just what... Black writers write about, but how?
0: Well, personally, it's on my bucket list to have one of my books banned. (laughs) I know that's
2: probably bad, but I think spicy. They were yelling, N-word, go home. And I was looking around for the N-word because I knew it couldn't be me because I was a queen. (laughs) But I am
3: telling people to quit this mentality of identifying ourselves by our work, to start to live our lives and to redefine the whole concept of how we work and where we work and why we work in the first place.
2: My, my biggest strength throughout throughout my career has been having incredible mentors, and specifically black
3: women. I mean, I've been writing poetry since I was like eight. You know, I've been reading Langston Hughes and James Baldwin and Maya Angelou and so forth and so on since I was
2: like
0: a little kid.
3: Like the banjo
2: was blackly black, right? Mm-hmm. For many, many, Africans. many years. Yes. Everybody knew. Because sometimes I'm just doing some sand that because I just <laughs> want to do it. An honor to be here. Thank you for doing the work that you're doing. Keep shining bright, and we and, and like you said, we gonna keep writing black. As always, you can find us on the Grio app or wherever you find your podcasts.